Welcome to the John Harrison Podcast. Do you realize that 70% of people are disengaged at work? I don't think it's an overstatement to call that a tragedy, actually, because it affects the bottom lines of organizations, certainly, but it has a negative impact on all the people that work there, and their families, and the community at large. Nobody's talking about this. Well, on this podcast, we are going to talk about it. So welcome to this first episode of the John Harrison Podcast. We are thrilled that you're listening. It's a a change for us to do these. Uh, We have been uh, in business for about six, seven years. And and let me start by just giving you some statistics before I even talk about myself. The Gallup organization, you've heard of the Gallup uh, poll and things like that. So they do a global engagement survey, basically an employee satisfaction survey that is done in every country of the world. They aggregate those numbers and then they they sort them out by country and roughly about 70 percent of people around the world are disengaged at work and that can be at all different levels it could be simply kind of bored at work kind of coasting through your days or it could be really frustrated uh, angry just you know miserable uh, for those 40 or 60 hours that people are at work and we want to do something about that we have just felt for for years that there's not a lot of people talking about this that we we know it kind of exists we probably a lot of you haven't heard those numbers like i just said but but if you look around your workplace it won't be surprising and so what's the issue if if 60 or 70 percent of people are disengaged at work well obviously that hurts the bottom line of the organization whatever however you measure the bottom line of that organization it affects the local city state uh, economy national economies and by the way the numbers outside of the US are actually much worse than the US so this is a global issue so it's affecting economies all around the world it affects companies and organizations in small towns and in big cities no doubt people from every race creed and color are affected by this so it just touches every demographic every age and here's what we don't think of i, I don't Uh, I think this is very common, but the people, the families of those people that are at work, they're feeling the brunt, sometimes in very, very damaging ways. Because think about this again, 40 or 50, 60 hours every week, disengaged, either again, mildly disengaged or really frustrated and angry. And now they're taking that home. So spouses, significant others, children, the neighborhood, the church, the motorcycle club they belong to, whatever. There's a lot of innocent bystanders that are now feeling the impact of this workplace really tragedy in my opinion. And you've seen it play out in real life and I have too. Uh, On my background, I was blessed to have a 25 year at Caterpillar. Uh, You've heard of Caterpillar, the earth moving machinery company. I started off like most people at a staff level role uh, coming out of school and ended up as an executive with the organization at the end of my 25 years. I had assignments in the US, several parts of the United States, but also Australia and Japan. And the theme of my career, especially the the last half of my career, was to, to be asked to turn around organizations that were underperforming, they were struggling. And so the bottom line, using that phrase again, was being impacted in these organizations, usually in terms of the quality of our work, the timeliness, of, in this case, delivering um, of Caterpillar products, but certainly profitability was impacted. What I noticed as I went through my career is that the reasons for that, those issues with the bottom line were very rarely technology or you know machinery, things like that. It was almost always due to the work culture, the work environment. And, and realize that you might hear the phrase culture and think, well, I don't really know about what that means. The point is every organization has a culture whether you like it or not. That culture could be an engaging culture where you feel free to speak up and collaborate, things like that. Or it could be where you're afraid to speak up and there's fear in the workplace. 
and there's awkwardness and dysfunction. So what I found is that it, when these when these organizations were underperforming, it wasn't due to technology, machinery, um, the non-human things. It was always related to the culture itself. And that uh, took into account hiring and training and holding people accountable and, and all of that. And it was never the fault, so to speak, of one group. I remember when I got to Australia, I managed a large facility there that was doing poorly. And I asked the upper management team why they thought we were having issues there. And and generally, they were blaming that on the hourly workforce, that they weren't engaged, they weren't working hard, etc. And one thing I always did when I took over a facility was went went out and worked on the shop floor. And I did that for a couple weeks in Australia. And when I was working with and mingling with the hourly and staff level folks, they told me that they thought the reason that the facility was struggling was due to management, the leadership team, the upper management group. So guess what? They, they were kind of blaming each other. And I figured out again pretty quickly that it was, it was both sides. It wasn't one payroll. It wasn't one department that was to blame. It was generally, in my opinion, a lack of clear expectations, a lack of clear direction, measurable goals, and not holding people accountable to both their behavior and their and those results. That's generally what I figured out pretty quickly. And that wasn't because I was a genius. That was because you could just see it in the way things worked in a daily manner. Again, most of you that are listening to this have experienced that to some degree in, in the workplace. So started Caterpillar in 1986, 2011, I walked away from my Caterpillar career. I didn't retire. I was too young to retire. I didn't leave because I was disgruntled and tired of, of corporate life. Um, I didn't leave to start my own company. I left, in my case, specifically due to a faith calling, a faith calling that said that I was supposed to leave my executive life behind and help people in different ways. And some of you that are listening to this know exactly what I mean by that. Some of you probably have no idea what I mean by that. And my point of these of this podcast is not to try to convince you of my reasons for doing what I did, but just to be honest with you that that's why I left. I didn't leave because I was independently wealthy. I didn't leave to start this company. I didn't leave because I was disgruntled. Like I said, I loved Caterpillar. To this day, I love that company. Um, I met my wife at that company. Her father worked there. So we are a Caterpillar family to this day. All the more reason that it it was a little strange to me that I was feeling called away from this company that I love. Well, one of these ways that I said, you know, I, I felt called to go help people in different ways. And we've done that in a lot of different ways in our family. But one way for sure was to talk about this workplace dysfunction. I always tell people I don't consider myself a normal consultant or an academic scholar that has studied this you know, subject for years and years and years, but really just a real life person who, who saw this dysfunction. Uh, I, I lived out the things that we're going to talk about on these podcasts. And I'll tell you this right off the bat. About half the things we're going to talk about on these podcasts specifically are things that I probably did not do well, either as an employee, as a staff level person, or a leader. So I'm, I'm, in, I'm incriminating myself to some account in these podcasts by just being real with you, that this isn't, uh, I'm an expert and I did everything right in my career. I'm sharing my pain with you, to be honest, so that you maybe don't make some of the mistakes that I did early on. We've got a team that is built uh, of real life people as well. Again, not professional um, consultants, not again, specific academic experts, 
but people that have been at all levels in different organizations that have seen the things that, that, that I've seen. But what, what binds us all together, our, our team, is that we have a heart for talking about this subject and doing something about it. I'm not saying that normal consultants or trainers aren't good at what they do. There's many of them that are fantastic at what they do. But I think in terms of reaching people and, and having it be sincere, you all are pretty savvy when you can, you can tell if somebody's lived it, they've been in the, in the trenches, so to speak, They've gone through some of the dysfunction that you've had, or are they just talking about it from a, from a more theoretical point of view? So our approach is different, whether it's our leadership training that we do to teach supervisors, managers, whether it's to teach employees. Anything we do to help organizations, I think, is coming from this real-world perspective, but also the fact that we're not just trying to help the bottom lines of organizations. Like I said earlier, we want to have an impact on those 70% of people that are disengaged at work. We see that as a global tragedy that's not being talked about. I don't think that whatever political party you support in any part of the world, I don't think that the political uh, arena has figured out a way to fix this. I don't think uh, nonprofits and churches and, they all, and academic institutions, they all try to help with this. But I frankly don't hear people talking about it, like I said. So we, we have taken on this mission, and we do, we do call this a mission, to try to make a difference in the lives of, of all these people that are spending these, this time at work, the, their families. And of course, I think a byproduct of that is that the bottom line of organizations will get better as well. And here's the thing that's been such a, uh, we we're so grateful for. People at all levels from the clients that we have served, they've confirmed it, right? This isn't just coming out of my Caterpillar background. We've worked with many organizations in the last six, seven years, and they're confirming it, that their bottom line has gotten better, yes. People are more engaged, yes. But we have countless stories where people have said that their marriage has gotten better, their relationship with their children. Those things that happen after five o'clock, so to speak, have gotten better because of their time just listening to our subject matter, to our folks, just us sharing our hearts in different ways with people. And that's what we're most thankful for and most blessed by is that this isn't, again, just about the bottom line. Another thing that's unique about what we do, in my opinion, you've all seen some very motivational speakers on a TED Talk or YouTube or seen them in person, listened to other podcasts. And there is nothing wrong, again, with inspirational speakers. They can, they can get you fired up and maybe get you to act differently for a while. But I think what's hard for those uh, types of approaches is that if you're a CEO of a company or the owner of a company, you might listen to that and be inspired, but then you're kind of left hanging. How can we take that, what I just heard, how can I take that excitement and, and actually change the culture in, in my organization? If you are an hourly entry-level staff person, you might get pumped up by those same uh, motivational speakers. You might be asking yourself, well, that was great and I love that story, but what do I do now? And so I think what is unique about what we do is that we've got something we're calling the VIP way. And what does that stand for? Well, it's it's about a culture comprised of people that are driven by values, information, and passion. The V and the I and the P. Values, information, and passion. We feel like we've got a very simple but powerful execution model that can change the workplace into something special. It's not an overnight fix. It's not a magic wand. It's not a silver bullet, so to speak. And it's not a program, right? And I think that's the other thing I saw when I was in corporate America is that consultants will sometimes sell you a program that you go through these, you know, eight or 10 or 100 steps and, and then it's supposed to fix the organization. This is really, again, becoming part of your DNA, what we call the VIP way. It's a roadmap, really. It's a path for culture change. But here's the, here's the great news, I think. That culture change doesn't have to be led by us. 
we're not ever advocating that we come in and hang out at your organization for months to fix your culture. We try to give you the roadmap, as I said, and now it happens from within. And it's so much more uh, powerful, so much more long-lasting and sustainable when it comes from within and not from the outside, so to speak. It has to be lived by everybody in the organization. And that's the other thing that sometimes people don't want to hear. Again, as I said in my experience in Australia, hourly folks were saying, man, the leaders need to change. They're the problem. Leaders said, no, it's not us. It's the hourly folks. What, what I will caution you as we start these podcasts is, we're going to suggest that everyone has to change. Everyone has to be kind of driven to a higher level. We call it raising the bar. And when that happens, I promise you, you'll see organizational change, but you'll also see change at home, which again is really why we do this. So let me kind of wrap that up, so to speak. 70% of people disengaged at work. Again, I don't hear CEOs, owners, politicians, anybody talking about that or really doing much about it. Now, they will all agree. If I go speak anywhere in the world and say, would you like a team of people that are driven by values, information, and passion? What do they say? Of course. Do you want people disengaged at work? Of course not. So I've never been turned away when I tell that story or kind of give the burning platform. But of course, the, the issue is, what do they do about it? And what we're going to do through these podcasts, myself, members of our team, clients, whatever, we're going to try to tell you, tell you some great stories of how this has played out, but we're going to give you tactical advice on what to do. Maybe, maybe you're a staff level person. You don't have a lot of decision-making authority in your organization, but your boss is driving you crazy. You hate getting to work, going to work in the morning when the alarm goes off. You don't want to get up. We're going to talk about that because that's affecting a lot more than yourself. Uh, maybe you are the owner of an organization and it's a small organization. You've got 10 employees and you think, well, I'm not a CEO. I don't, I don't, this sounds, you know, would this actually work in my organization? Of course it would. And so we've got clients that have thousands of employees. We've got clients that have 10 employees. And I promise you that this uh, real life approach will work in any, any one of those types of organizations. This is my calling, right? I told you I left Caterpillar in 2011. So I've been gone 10 years as of uh, today. And I'm going to talk about this for the rest of my life. Our team also share this calling. And even though they don't have my same story, so to speak, I can tell you when you talk to any of them or you'll hear them on these podcasts, whatever, you're going to feel the same heartbeat. They uh, have been there. They've been in workplaces that were not healthy. They've, they've seen what, what has happened to their families as a result, and they want that to be different for all of you as well. So I hope you'll see that this is absolutely a two-way street. Again, owner, CEO, all the way to an ent entry-level hourly employee or anywhere in between. But we're going to challenge you. Uh, this isn't just all going to be feel-good. This will be a challenge to you to look at your specific job, your role, in the workplace differently than maybe you have in the past. We're going to challenge you to look through it through this thing that we call the VIP way. We don't take this lightly. We are um, just blessed that anyone is listening to this because we think it's important. Like I said, we, we know that it affects so many people around the world, but we know you've got uh, busy days and you have lots of things that you could do during your day and lots of people you could be listening to. So the fact that you're doing that with us, uh, and this means the world to us, we hope you are... Uh, given life by these podcasts. We want to hear your comments. We want to hear your feedback. We want to hear questions. We want to hear ideas for future sessions. But thank you for listening to this first one. Again, I'm John Harrison, and I look forward to uh, building a relationship with you over time. Thanks for listening today. 
If you have any questions or thoughts about today's episode or even ideas for a future episode, you can contact us through our website at johnharrisonvip.com or follow us on any of our social media platforms.